Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coaching for Coaches. Today, we are kicking off with the show's first episode. We are honored to have Lissa DeHart, licensed social worker, master certified coach, board certified coach on the show today. A little bit about Lissa. She is a supervisor, a mentor to professional coaches all around the world. She is also the author of two books. Number one, Storyjacking, Change Your Inner Dialogue, Transform Your Life. You can find it on Amazon, link below. The second one is The Reflective Coach, a 12-month journal of discovery, also on Amazon. You can find that in the link below. In this episode, we will be talking about essential components of coaching maturity. We will be conversing about the coaching competencies and how coaching competencies are expressed in different stages of the journey of maturity, metaphors in coaching, and many other cool things. So without further ado, let's bring on Lissa DeHart. Hi there. Nice to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. And let me just make a couple of adjustments here just for a little second. Doom, doom, doom. Here we are. All right. So just a little bit. I already gave that introduction uh, so that everybody knows all the links to all of Lissa's online <laughs> presence is in the description. And just, you know, you know, both of us are coaches. So I'm going to I'm going to kick off the show by by having a coachy question. Is that OK. Right? Yes, you do. <laughs> so, all right. Go ahead. So um, if by the end of this show you felt it was amazing. How could we start uh, exploring the topic of the essential components of coaching maturity? Oh, that's an interesting question. It puts me on the spot here to figure out where to begin. Um, nicely done there, Roberto. Um, you know, I think it's really, I mean, if, if we were to have a successful conversation, I think we would have really explored and had fun looking at coaching um, in general. That would be that would be what would make it successful to me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's explore and have fun then. That's, that's those are the two parameters for today. Yes. Uh, all right. So, I mean, you know, all right. It, I'll, obviously, I'll ask the first question here. Um, when it comes to when it comes to this um, coaching maturity, what role do the competencies play in that in those stages of development? You know, I've been using a idea lately um, with people when I'm thinking about the competencies in general. I think a lot of people, and I'm, I may be presuming something, so I could be wrong for a lot of people, but I think a lot of people look at the competencies as these sort of checkboxes that need to be checked off in order to get your ACC, you need to deepen them a bit in order to get to your PCC, and then you have to deepen them a whole bunch of bits um, in order to get to your MCC. And I think that that's a very simple way of looking at the competencies. I think when I look at the competencies today, what I'm struck by is the way that the competencies actually create a container 
And that it is, it's not that they're a checkbox, but rather they are a way of being present with another human being that makes coaching different than say counseling or managing or mentoring or teaching or whatever other, you know, what other, whatever other role you might be playing. So for instance, a consultant might come in and they don't need the competencies because what they're doing is they're coming in as an expert. They're going to listen to your stuff. They're going to assess your, you know, challenge. And then they're going to give you a, a formula or a um, prescription, if you will, for how to solve your problem. Whereas the competencies really, if you if you dive into them, are the exploration of how we are being with another person that brings out that person's internal awareness, their genius, seeing them as whole, capable, resourceful, and creative, right? And, and that is a very different um, lens in which to have a conversation. Right, right. And, and when, it, when it comes to coaching in itself, for example, along those lines, I know that, for example, you, you've assessed uh, people to move on from one stage to a second stage, and it, for example, the ICF from ACC to PCC. Like, mm -hmm. wh what do you notice is the difference uh, when you hear a recording of an ACC or a PCC with regards to maturity? Well, I mean, maturity is a really interesting word. So for the purpose of this conversation, I guess what I'm taking it to mean is a comfort level with utilizing the competencies with confidence. Um, and it's sort of, I don't know, I come from an art background. I had my, my undergraduate was in fine arts. So I spent a lot of time learning how to look at things, how to draw things, how to see things three-dimensionally. And there were these very basic fundamentals that were required. And if you look at any of the great masters, you know, somebody like, say, Picasso, you look at his very early works, it's very traditional-looking art for his time. He learned all the fundamentals before he could really start to break out of the fundamentals and play with something like, you know, cubism or any of the other um, ways that he showed up as a painter. And um, I think the same thing is true of coaching. In fact, I was just having this conversation with Tony Latimer a couple nights ago, and we were talking about this idea of getting, you know, you go through in karate, you go through, I don't, I don't, I'm not a karate artist, so I don't I don't know all the stages, but let's say you start off with like a white belt, right? And maybe right. move to yellow and then green and blue, and I don't know all the different colors. But when you finally get to black belt and you're invited into the black belt group, there's still eight levels of black belt above you, right? And it's sort of the same yeah. thing in coaching, right? Like, sure. like there's all of these sorts of developmental stages that a human being is going to go through as they learn to deal with the fundamentals, like learning their stances, they're learning how to, however it is that they need to move in karate or in painting or in anything that you choose to learn to become masterful at. It could be painting motorcycles or doing woodworking or being, you know, or being a coach, right? Or being anything. It's that develop those developmental stages and even the masters continue to develop and work and grow. And so I think that maturity may come in the mindset of it's not a destination, but it is a continual 
continual journey of learning that one goes through as a coach to continue to develop oneself. And I remember being, um, I was a therapist uh, prior to being a coach. And I remember being in a, in a training for relationship um, a relationship work training that I was in. And I remember just like being like, oh my gosh, I missed so much stuff. If I wish I had known, I wish I knew yesterday what I now know today. And the person facilitating that training said something really profound and important to me. She said, if you're not a better insert here, therapist, coach, karate expert. Um, if you're not better today than you were yesterday, you're not, you're not journeying in the right direction, right? You're right. maybe right. stagnating or slipping backwards into easier habits. You know, I've, I've heard a lot about, for example, this is also true in therapy. And I know that, you know, you, you, you've done therapy before, before you became a coach, um, that you can be the, the amount of times you, uh, actually practice, right, as a practitioner, doesn't necessarily equate to more maturity in your practice or more being more masterful. Because I know there's these two terms, mastery mm -hmm. and maturity. Um, what, what, what would you say to that, to um, what it really takes to evolve uh, as a practitioner? Yeah, well, I would ask, I would ask the question of think of anything that you absolutely love deeply. Whatever that thing is, I don't care if it's, again, it could be, you know, karate, it could be gardening, it could be anything. Um, I was actually listening to, um, gosh, what's the singer's name? Um, oh, he's awesome, and I can't remember his name right this second. Um, it's very frustrating. Um, but, you know, one of the things that he was saying is, you know, even though he's now this really celebrated singer and he's incredibly well-known and, and very very good at his craft. If you listen to his very first song and he shared it and it was, it was probably sounded like me singing, right? It was not that great. Right. Um, and I am not a great singer by any means. And, um, and it's that sense of putting in the time and energy, working through the discomfort of not being perfect, right? Like all those things that are required in order to move through those different developmental stages and right. I, I mean, it, that's going to be so dependent on the person standing in front of you as you're as you're talking about this. And and in my mind, it also comes with that mindset of I this isn't something that when I don't like how it goes or I'm not perfect or I listen to my questions and I'm like cringing and I don't want to like I, I just want to do it the way I'm comfortable doing it. I don't want to learn a new way of doing it. That instead I move through that discomfort and I get right. to the other side. And I think that's a bit of the maturity also is to not just give up as soon as we don't like the um, outcome. The outcome. And I, I remember it took me quite a while in, I, I've got, uh, well, I'll say it, but I think I submitted like four or six different times for my PCC failed, 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 failed. And that was a, a, a hard process to go through the fact of like, you're not there yet. You're not there yet and mm -hmm. persisting. Right. So I think, um, yeah, I think constant uh, learning opportunities instead of failure, I think is also important for, for mastery and maturity along anything. Right. Yeah. I have a client who was in his PhD program and they asked all the, the participants of this program to write their like, um, 
failure resume <laughs> and okay. to just really start to write down every failure they've had. And then instead of like what their job title or their job de um, description was, they wrote down everything they learned from that failure. And I think back, right. I had, I had just gotten my MCC on a Wednesday. This was in November, 2018. I got my MCC on a Wednesday and on Saturday I'm going into this live fishbowl event where I'm going to be observed coaching and I'm going to have like, I think there were like a hundred people there. So about, you know, 200 eyeballs staring at whatever I'm doing. And then there was a row of master coaches who were going to assess my coaching in front of everybody. And oh, yeah. And the, the conversation I will say did not go so well. It just, I got into a loop. I think I was overwhelmed by the number of eyeballs. The client was not, um, was not ready to share. I think she was maybe overwhelmed, I'm guessing on her part, um, but it did not go so well. And uh, somebody who I respect so highly, Fran Fisher, um, I went up to her afterwards because she was one of the people observing the coaching. And I said, oh God, that felt so hard. That isn't how I normally coach. And she goes, it's okay, Lisa. everybody bombs sometimes. It's like, what? I bombed? Like, 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 comedians. <laughs> like comedians, right? Like comedians, yeah. yeah. And I and I think yeah, we have sure. to just learn to take it a bit with a grain of salt. Like nobody died. I learned a ton from that. Like I learned so yeah. much about being in that place of discomfort and what kind of question might come out of that place that's much more right. transparent. Like, hey, client, I'm noticing that I feel like we're running around in a circle and I'm curious how this impacts what you say is important to you. Like, is this show, does, how does this land on you as you hear me say that? Um, versus yeah. like trying to ask another good question or right question about like right. what you want to have by the end of today. You know, maybe get curious about the experience you're having, which, which I, you know, hadn't been in that position before. So it was that bombing that actually led to that awareness. Of course. And I'm going to weave this into your two books. Because okay. I like where this, I like the flow of the conversation. You know, at the beginning, it's always like, but now I think we're getting into flow, and I'm going to throw away most of the questions I had. Okay, so that's fine. Do a different and, and, off road, <laughs> off road, and speaking to the let's have fun and explore, right? So I'm trying yes. to, you know, keep to that. But um, number one, I've yes, so I bombed lots of times, and I think, uh, and I'm going to weave this into supervision and mentoring in your two books eventually. So what I'm getting at here is. Um, I also read to the fact that there's a you know difference between ACC, PCC, and MCC is, for example, from PCC to MCC, is is the continuum of the importance of formulaicness, being formulaic, right? At the beginning, you try to be really formulaic with your questions and this and that, and as you go along in PCC, you're still a little bit concerned about your own performance, right? Instead of showing up fully in presence, and I. I've heard, and I've also heard MCC's coach, it's more of a, a dance. It's more of a very fluid dance in the conversation. And it's more mm -hmm. about whatever is occurring there, right? right. Um, and and what, what would you speak to that? What, what, you know, that's what I've 
experienced well, and heard people say? You know, I mean, that's a really, that's, I think, a pretty good um, explanation. I think there's a real deepening of the partnership. And when you think about deepening of trust and safety, if you think about deepening of coaching presence and partnership with a client and our questions being geared towards client insight and not coach insight, these are the things that we're really looking at when you're moving towards an MCC coach. And it's not that it is that there, there are questions that are there, like what's really showing up is important today to have a conversation about. That's probably still going to show up even in an MCC conversation. The difference is that MCC may hear things that the client is saying in the first five minutes that the ACC or even the new PCC may not have heard. Um, and so they're going to probably go much more directly to the deeper, more important underlying issue. I think another thing that happens, in fact, I'm just I'm listening to PCC assessments right now. And one of the things that I see is that a lot of people, especially early in their coaching, because their desire is to be a value to the client, they want to demonstrate their value, they want to get that client someplace, that what they tend to do is their questions lean towards the situation versus the client's relationship to the situation. And that's a bit of that partnership also, because if I'm trying to get you somewhere, I'm leading you somewhere. I am not being led by you. That is not a partnership. And when coaching is thinking of partnership, and when you're looking at the competencies in partnership, you start looking at the, the markers and you see things like question had the capacity to teach the it open up the client to self-awareness in some way. Maybe they are perceiving, they're recognizing how they're perceiving the world or they're getting curious about the words that they're sharing or they're getting curious about like you you say something and I hear like the little laugh in your voice that might sound kind of nervous, like nervous laughter, or might sound like, you know, true laughter, like, but I'm testing hypotheses as an MCC. I'm not assuming I know what that means. So I'm like, Hey, I noticed there was a little lilt in your voice as you said that I'm curious what's showing up for you. Again, the client now is getting out of the habitual way that they show up. And now they're like, you know, I'm noticing that I, I'm kind of giggling a little bit, but it's kind of a nervous giggle. What's that nervousness about that would be right. useful for us to explore? And now we're into the real meat of it because, you know, we're not ever going to make the manager be different or the client that, the you know, if they're in sales, the client that they're working with be different or the situation that happened in the past. I mean, I don't have Mr. Peabody's way, way back machine, so we're not going back in time to do a do over on it. Right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, that's an old one. My husband gave that to me many years ago, and I just have always loved that uh, idea of Mr. Peabody's way, way back machine. But I think Mr. we sometimes. Yeah. And so I think it's that sense of just being in the moment and, and to your point in that dance and in the flow with the client where they are but hearing things that aren't just the situation so like for instance in an example of this the client says something and the coach's response to that is you know how would you do this situation differently next time versus a question that might sound much more like what did you discover as you reflect back on that Right. right. Two very right. different directions. Two very different directions. Right. And it's, I think you said it about um, assuming and assumptions. You're like, I, you know, 
I hear something or the coach hears something that may have more maturity or is a master coach or master level coach. And they, ha they may not even create a hypothesis and just be curious about it. And that's going to go back to, I'm going to connect this to your book, Story Jacket. So okay. um, tell me about the title, Story Jacket. What does Story Jacket mean? Just that, that, those okay, so composite word. So that book I published in 2017, and that really came out of the work that I had been doing as a therapist. And then as I was becoming a coach, so I had, um, I got my original tr coach training in 2008, and but I didn't apply for my um, ACC until 2014. Um, and then in 2016, I applied for my PCC. And then in 2018, I applied for my MCC. So I sort of had a pretty um, quick trajectory there on the, on the developmental steps of coaching. But that book really came out of the exploration of the neuroscience of like how we create stories in our minds about everything. And those stories may or may not be true relative to what is truth, right? It can be multiple things. Um, and how we attach ourselves to those stories, whether those stories are useful or not, we may not really question them very much. And so I took this idea of jacking as not like hijacking something, although I do believe our stories can hijack us. It's more about like shifting, um, like you elevate a car, you jack it up in order to change a tire, right? Or you, um, you question something and you basically come up with a new perspective that might be more useful. And so it's much more about the jacking of our own stories, like getting curious about them, you know, maybe taking the wheels off the car, so to speak, and changing our tires on how we're moving through our life. And if it's working for us, great, like keep doing what you're doing. But if you've got a place where you're not getting the outcome that you want. It often has to do with the way that you're, you're thinking about things. And I mean, this is, this is really stoicism at its core. And my husband loves stoicism and I really like stoicism. And so we were having a conversation and I'm like, as we were having this conversation, I'm like, you know, it's like, we need to really jack our stories and, you know, and, and he's like, you need to write that down. And I'm like, I do need to write that down. And so hence story jacking came out of uh, that conversation. That was back I in see. 2016. <laughs> in 2016. And in, in that sense, do you feel that this, uh, how could, how could this book help coaches, um, in session to become more masterful and increase their maturity? Well, I mean, it wasn't really, it wasn't written for coaches specifically. I mean, it was really much more written for the human being on the other side of it. I think that any time, I think that any time coaches are doing their own work and starting to look at their own stories and starting to look at their own self-awareness, they become better coaches. And I mean, I've had this conversation on my podcast quite a few times with people. It is very hard to hold the space for another human being going through something that we ourselves are uncomfortable going through. So is, as soon as something comes up that I'm not comfortable with, and I'm going to make this up because I'm very comfortable with emotions, but let's just say the client starts to cry about something. And I've heard this from other coaches, like, what do you do when emotions get really, really strong? 
Well, for me, I get curious. I think commotions are just telling us something. But for another coach who's maybe like, I grew up in a culture where I'm not allowed to cry. And that could be like, maybe my parents, I don't know. I grew up in Texas. So like maybe cowboys don't cry, right? Like, so you got the John Wayne thinking going on. And so if I'm uncomfortable with the crying, I may try and either save the client and be like, oh, you don't need to feel so bad about that. You know, everybody feels that way. It's okay. You're going to be fine. And we become a cheerleader to try and lift them up or we just like walk right past it like i do not even see crying i'm gonna like i'm just gonna leave that alone because i don't even want it that's therapy um versus just being curious like what does the crying tell you in this moment about what's showing up for you which is a different place but if i hadn't become comfortable with my own emotional um spectrum Right. It's going to be very difficult for me to hold that space for another person without interjecting my own stuff onto it. And that's a lot about maturity at that point. Also, how do we how do we differentiate ourselves from our clients and from our own experiences? and, And even though I might be crying for a very different reason than maybe the client is crying. I don't know unless I ask. Sure. And. And I was I was thinking in the sense of because I'll I'll make this let's say note here when when I've recently that I've been coaching I've been noticing my own internal dialogue like like mm-hmm. the way I'm thinking about the session and myself or whatever I may be going through in the session outside of the session everything right um, and sometimes I find myself that that becomes distracting that's inner noise could you speak mm-hmm. to how how a coach can work with that in a session so it doesn't so it doesn't diminish their presence that that is the work of supervision um and that that is really where coaching supervision comes in honestly i'm a big advocate of supervision um i've been in supervision since 1992 uh, in one form or another um and i just happen to have it here my book uh the reflective coach But what you start to do is you start to get curious. So for instance, like this is a a chapter on transference. And so it talks a little bit about transference, but what you do is you write down that client situation, you write it as fully as you can. And then you start asking yourself some questions about like what just happened. Um, You know, what transference just happened there. And, And so an example of transference might be, let's say that you remind me of my nephew. And I want the best for my nephew. And you're telling me about this really hard situation. And all of a sudden I become your aunt and I'm talking to you from the place of your aunt. Like, you know, Roberto, you can do this and you've got all the skills and I don't understand why you don't trust yourself. You should trust yourself. Right. Like, and so now I've transferred my nephew onto you. You might be doing the same thing to me. As soon as I do that, it might put you in a position of being like this kid to their aunt, right? And right, so right, it right. starts to go into that idea, those ideas of transactional analysis, right? How do we both show up as adults? How does the coach stay in the role of adult mm-hmm. with a, an adult client or even, you know, expert novice? Like, how does the coach give up the role of expertise to tell the client what they need to do and and instead maybe shift into the role of novice and be taught by the client something, right? And these are things that we start to explore. And so I think one of the ways that we start to do that with our work is that we are in a process 
like coaching supervision so that we can really start to explore our own self-awareness. Like what just happened when that emotion showed up and I was like, not doing it. Like, what was that about for me? What just happened there? So, so that's, that's a way to really clean up your coaching in that sense. It's not let it, well, I'm going to use this word. It might not be the best, but don't, so you don't contaminate or contaminated as least possible. Yeah, you keep like, it as clean as you can. As clean as clean as possible, so that all those uh, in the transference and all those things don't come up. And and what would you say is the difference between working in supervision and mentoring? So mentoring is typically very specific to your capacity to understand and use the competencies. It is very much directed towards. Um, well, for ACCs, it may also be directed towards renewal of your certification if you're an ACC, but everybody's got to have 10 hours of mentor coaching to apply for their ACC. They're going to need another 10 hours to apply for their PCC, and they're going to need another 10 hours to apply for their MCC. And it is typically very much about how the competencies are being demonstrated through the questions. So for instance, if if I ask a question like, um, um, so, I mean, I'm hearing you, Roberto, you know, have this awareness and insight, and it sounds like you're really um, having some really deep awareness about this situation. Am I reading that right? And you go, yes or no, right? Like, it's probably a pretty closed-ended question. There's not very many competencies that are going to be demonstrated by that question. Right. So, so in mentor coaching, you're going to have, you're going to hear that question and you're going to talk to the coach about like, what other choice points did you have here? How might you have structured that question in a way that would have been more useful to the client awareness, such as Roberto, I noticed what sounded like a shift to me. I could be wrong, but could you tell me a little bit about what's showing up for you as you hear yourself say that? Now, all of a sudden, you've got to start to make meaning out of what just happened. And we're hitting competencies around trust and safety. We're hitting competencies around coaching presence, around questions, evoking awareness. I mean, listening, it's all there. Like all the different competencies start to get met by a very simple question change, right? So that's mentor coaching. Coaching supervision is much more about your relationship to the work that you're doing. Ah, so about about me, about the self, who I am, who I'm being, who you are being, and how that shows up. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, we work with corporate clients. Sometimes there's things where we have maybe our agreements aren't very clear. And, you know, somebody's coming to us in an organization, but we have to also be able to talk to their manager. And we're looking at issues of like ethics. We're looking at issues of like where people feel uncomfortable. Maybe you have the client. I don't know. Raise your hand if you've never had this client who maybe wears you out and you're exhausted at the end of the session, right? That would be a great client to get curious about like what's happening there that I'm so tired. guessing from past experience of my own, I'm probably working way harder than the client and the client is going, yeah, but I don't think that'll work. Yeah, but I don't like that idea. And so the coach is like going through all these like different little dance moves in order to try and, yeah. To try to to get the client results, to try to to achieve the outcome or whatever that the striving, that striving that the coach may have. And 
well, that's that's related to your book, the one you just showed us, right? So you can mm -hmm. you can find all that information below to get it on on uh, Kindle or physical via. Amazon. I think it's it's a journal, so this one's only physical. Um, it's only but, physical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now, going to your podcast, can you talk to us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah. So I. Um, during COVID, I was spending a lot more time on LinkedIn than I had previously. Um, and so when it started, when, you know, the lockdown started in, in 2020 and I was spending time on LinkedIn, I was just reaching out to people I was connected to or wanted to be connected to. And I was having these really interesting conversations with them. And I'm like, why am I not recording these conversations? Um, and so that was sort of the impetus for me in wanting to do a podcast. I had done a couple of podcasts before this one. Um, the first one was called The One Minute Mindset. And it was back in 2009, 2010. And it was incredible incredibly hard work because it takes a lot of work to just say something useful in one minute or so. Um, and so I couldn't keep that up. It was just too much work for me. So I only did a few of those episodes. And then the second podcast that I did was after I came out with story jacking and I interviewed people about their own jacking of their own stories and what that looked like. But those were like, they needed a lot of editing because people could really talk a lot and maybe not say all that much that was super important, but like gave a a lot of context. Um, and so that wasn't really sustainable either. But what I discovered in this podcast by doing these interviews, sort of like you're doing, um, there was there was much more of an interaction that was happening and it, it was fun. Yeah. And I didn't have to edit. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I didn't have to edit it the, uh, to the right, same degree. Right. So I, um, so I decided to do the podcast. Well, lo and behold, and I thought I was the only one. So, and I even did some, like, some like going out and typing it up and I couldn't find any other podcasts that were really doing what I was doing. Lo and behold, Mel Liao was doing one that he had just started yeah. about oh, three months Mel. before, three or four months before me. Yeah, no, awesome, Mel man. is awesome. Um, he's he's awesome. going to be, awesome, he's, he's going to be on my podcast in October. It's his birthday month. Um, and then the other person that was doing a uh, similar sort of thing was Gideon Coleman. And so as soon as, of course, I start publishing, I realize that Mel is doing this. And then there's also this guy, Gideon, who's doing it too. So the three of us got together and we're like, how do we support each other? Because there's plenty of room for all of us to do this. And exactly. so, um, and so, I mean, I highly recommend that if you're going to listen to my podcast, go listen to 100 Master Coaches. And, um, and I, Gideon's um, podcast is masterful coaching, I think, but I, I could be getting that wrong. I, I'm not, I'm, I've slept um, since Definitely. I've slept. <laughs> but, but Gideon's got a great podcast and all three of us have very different styles. Um, and I know there's going to be a new podcast coming out with Tracy Sinclair. She's got another podcast awesome. coming out that's going to be talking to coaches also. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, well, I'm going to be having Mel on as well. And I'm going to be reaching, I'll reach out to Tracy and Gideon. Maybe they want to be here on the show because this show in itself is bringing people from the world of professional development for coaches and business development like yourself to talk about these things. So, you know, as we wrap up, could you tell me a little bit about metaphors? Because I wanted to ask you about that. And you have something coming up related to metaphors in coaching. Yeah. So I 
One of the things that has always been really interesting to me, and part of the reason I even went into the field that I went into from art into social work and then ultimately into coaching, um, was this idea of how the mind and how the brain works. And so I spent a lot of time when I was um, a therapist learning a lot about trauma and I was, uh, my focus was PTSD, complex trauma and dissociative disorders. And so I took a lot of um, coursework and, and continuing education around how the brain works as a result of that. And um, when I went into coaching, one of the things that I really appreciated was some of the work that David Rock was doing in the middle 2000s, where he was looking at the neuroscience and the, you know, the neuro leadership program is what he calls it now. It started off as results coaching, but I went through his program and I liked the idea of it, but I, but I realized that there was just a lot more to it um, than just the neuroscience of how the competencies hold a container of a conversation. And so as I was exploring this, one of the things that showed up was this linguistical thing, this uh, creative linguistical idea containers that people were utilizing as they talked about complex ideas in, in the way that they were discussing their life, their situation, whatever it was. Um, and I wondered more about that. And so I started doing research on this back in 2000 and probably 2017, 2018, I really started to pay attention to this. And I've been doing a lot of research since then. Um, and so I've come up with a certification program on using metaphors more um, consciously with our clients, but not with the coach giving the metaphor, which is, I think, what a lot of programs really talk about. It's like, how do you create the metaphor? Because it's such a great creative way to talk about an issue, but rather, how do you listen for the metaphors that the client naturally brings forward? Because the neuroscience of that is that there are conceptual metaphors that light up different regions of the brain. And, and I have just done a ton of research on that. And I'm now trying to teach other coaches how to like, like there's a lot of really great tools out there. I've been hearing a lot about let go serious play where you play with people and metaphors naturally come out of that. Um, I think, there is a huge difference, though, of having a tool that you bring into the coaching um, versus your capacity to listen deeply to the things that show up naturally in a conversation. And it's not that, you know, every client is metaphorically rich. Some clients are maybe they don't use met metaphors quite as um often or as obviously and so you have to really learn to listen deeply to the nuanced metaphors the that nuance, they use right. yeah right. and but it but it is a, a, it's a way of listening and being present with a client um that i think is really crucial and it doesn't require any tools other than you as the coach being the tool i i read a book um i'm not sure if you're familiar called clean coaching by angela dunbar yeah, it's probably a lot of clean language in there. Is that what the right. book was about? Yeah, clean yeah exactly. Language? exactly. That comes from a specific person who worked with that in therapy and they brought, and in the book, it talks about metaphorical language, but, mm -hmm. but not coming from the coach, but, you know, bringing it out from the client. Right. And so I, I really right. like that book, read it a, a long time ago, but it, it, yeah. it recalls some of what you're saying. 
Yeah, clean language is clean language is really cool, and I really like clean language. Um, and there's a bit of a, a structure to clean language that is what I'm doing. This is much more about the structure of how you're listening, because the clients invariably bring forward metaphors that we just don't even think of as metaphors. Like, I really want to lean into this idea of getting feedback. Well, leaning in is a metaphor for moving into a space of, right? And this right. lights up one of the hemispheres of the brain because it has to do with movement. And so if you know that, you hear lean in and you're like, if you were leaning in and you were doing that the way you wanted to be doing that, what would be different? And now you're starting to create the container of a conversation and leaning in is important. But a lot of times we hear it. We don't even hear it as a metaphor. Um, we just hear sure, it as you sure, know, the title of a book. <laughs> right, right. Because it's like it's it's a it's a, a figure of speech. So we don't see the figurativeness of it. In, in the metaphor aspect. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, well, tell us when that's coming out, when people can go and, well, and uh, get that with you, whatever that may be. Yeah. So the program is a certification program. It's a level one certification program, and it is going to be starting in like two weeks. So there's only two more weeks to sign up for it. Um, it is called um, the Power of Metaphor Certification Program. So it's available on my website, and I'll give you the link, and you can share it. Yeah, yeah. People. I think I, I think I put I saw that on your website. Tell us more about what's available on your website, so that coaches can improve their journey of professional okay. development. So I have on my website, I have a YouTube channel and in the YouTube channel, I have coaching demonstrations and those coaching demonstrations really, um, also have the markers. Um, I stop every time I ask a question and kind of like go through what markers might be demonstrated by that particular question. Um, it's also available without the markers, with the transcript and with the debrief on my website. And that's free to people to go and just go and you're then you can watch all the videos. Um, I also have things like eight common coaching mistakes where you can start to look at like telling versus asking, um, you know, why am I talking, you know, the weight methodology of like, why am I doing this? Why does right. my mouth keep moving? Um, so there's lots of different resources that I have available. I also have mentor coaching groups that are upcoming and, okay. you know, one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Um, coaching supervision is something I do not off the website, but more one-on-one -on -one or creating groups of coaches who are like, hey, we want to do a, a coaching supervision group together. And it's like, great, let's pull together this group and awesome. then we do the group. So Great, great. So you can get all those things going to your website and uh, they'll be able yeah. to see all that information below and connect with you on all your yeah. social media channels. And obviously that that level one course, which I may be interested in, that seems super cool. Uh, yeah. So I'll get in touch with you after the show about that. And well, I mean, aside from that, we have that question, right? What is an amazing but true fact about you that you want to share? Remember that one? We asked you oh, an amazing but true fact about me. Well, an amazing but true fact about me is that um, I like to do home projects. And, um, and so right now my husband and I are in the middle of renovating our house. And I'll just turn my camera around, but we learned how to 
rough in a new door. So you can kind of wow. see. So awesome. amazing but true fact about Lissa is that I don't mind getting my hands dirty and um, awesome. and and doing some construction around the house. I'm a very good tiler. Um, and oh, wow. but then there's but then there's things I leave to the experts. So we have somebody else installing the flooring and doing Tyler. electrical oh, stuff. Putting but. tiles and all that. Oh Lord, that's that sounds. That's not as easy as one would think, right? No, but but I really enjoy doing it. So um, it's something you wouldn't just know about me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for being uh, here on the show today. We we let this we let it we let we let it go because it's forty four minutes. It's been a, a holy big, cow. Hey, I had fun. Uh, how about you? How, it was great. Right this was very fun. I'm I'm really glad that you invited me. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this with you. Well, thank you very much. All right, everybody. Be well. Goodbye, Lissa. And uh, welcome back. To, uh, you know, you're you're welcome to the show again whenever you wish. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. Be well. Take care. All right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for tuning in today. Today, we talked about the essential components of coaching maturity with Lissa DeHart. And, well, thank you for everybody who tuned in right now and who will be tuning in later. You can catch this show on different podcast platforms, live on LinkedIn, live on YouTube, and in my Facebook page, Roberto Jose Vendana. And, well, other than that, thank you very much and see you soon in the next one.